Here we are with Jaws Christ Talk. Uh, we have podcast engineer Emily Gomer, everything led by Jennifer A. Whitaker, and we have John Tarr here as uh, one of our favorite Christians. And so, Emily, take it away. Let's go. Okay. Welcome, everybody, and happy, happy New Year. Uh, as we, this is our first uh, Jaws Christ Talk of 2023. Um, and on January 2nd, 2023, um, and the Jaws Christ Talk is a part of the World of Ability Podcast Network that was created a couple of years ago. Um, and I am only one of the, uh, uh, right behind the scenes kind of things. Uh, along with uh, Jennifer and John Tyler and Kurt Roscoff. So I'm going to encourage everybody to uh, uh, like, share, comment, um, subscribe to all of our social media pages and groups or wherever you found us. Um, and let's pass it over to Jennifer to get the show started. Yes. Thank you, Emily. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to Jaws Christ Talk. Uh, sorry I have been gone. As far as I understand, the show has run, and now it's just back to me. I was out uh, trying to get back stabilized on my medication. However, I am back at work now, though I will warn everybody listening that uh there will be certain shows this month, January 2023, that will not have me. We don't know the specific dates yet. Besides, I know one is January 30th when I will be in surgery. As many of y'all know, I have epilepsy, and so I have to go through surgery often. That said, I will be hospitalized at some point for a multiple-day-long EEG some point this month, or may even end up being February uh, depending upon my uh, testings that are done tomorrow. And in those times that you do not see me, you will see Emily, Kurt, and John here leading the way and still having the show for the two there in the afternoon. Now, John. <laughs> yes. I wanted to share with you something very interesting that happened. You know how many times, many times we modern day tend to think of Christmas and gifts, especially whether it's the giving or it's looking forward to the opening of what we hope we get, right? So yeah. this Christmas, my parents and I did not open gifts yet because my relatives were not in town. As I was saying, we were at Moody Gardens in Galveston, Texas. But on our trip down there, we stopped at a Starbucks. And when we did, there was a guy inside who looked like he was homeless. And he had a very small coffee and a big jacket on, bags that looks like he tugs around everywhere with him that were worn out. Like, you know, like a homeless guy. 
So when we get in the car after getting our coffee and using the bathroom before finishing our trip to Galveston, um, my mom handed me her debit card and she says, Hey Jen, uh, here, take, take my debit card here and go get a $20 gift certificate or gift card to Starbucks and give it to the homeless guy. I went over to him and as I was approaching him with the gift, with the Starbucks, Starbucks um, gift card that had $20 on it, I asked him, I said, did you know that Jesus loves you? And he said, yes, I do. Indeed, he loves me. And I said, well, this is a gift from Jesus. It's, and then I handed him the, the gift card. And I said, it has $20 for you to buy whatever you want here. Merry Christmas. And he says, well, Merry Christmas to you. Now, how many people, especially the homeless, would, would you find to react that way? Welcoming the gift and confirming that they believe Jesus indeed loves them when they're going without so much stuff. Is that not just an amazing way to spend Christmas? Yeah, that was uh, very sweet. Um, you just never know what angels you may entertain. Um, or people, for that matter, too. Um, there have been many times that I've connected with some homeless people. And there have been times I, I could have swore that they were like an angel in disguise, too. So you right. just never know. You never know who God brings into your path, uh, what they might need to hear at a specific moment, what physical gift they may need. Um, and also, uh, you know how scripture says that God calls us all. And, you know, and then I have run in, uh, once in a while I've run into a homeless person, like you just said, that is a, it's a Christian too, but uh, God just has them going through an experience in their life. Uh, you know what? Our lives are very complicated. Um, I don't know how God sorts it all out, but he does want us to make contact with the outside world. Um, and you just never know. It's, it's really crazy. I, I think I, I can't remember if I shared my experience right after I'd become a Christian uh, about a homeless kid uh, when I was in Oregon and I was driving along the highway there. And it was an extraordinary story. It was right after I became a Christian. It was like 40 years ago. I was 30 years old at the time. And uh, God just put us together. and. Uh, it touched a lot of people's lives at that time. Um, so you don't know. You, ju you just don't know. Um, I know how God has touched me and, and came into my life. And because of that, most of my family have become Christians now. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's very, very strange how all these things came about, you know. Um, I was a Chris, I was not a Christian at one time and I photographed a wedding.
back in Chicago, Illinois, where I used to live. And I went to a wedding and photographed it. And it was, uh, they had a Jewish rabbi and a Catholic priest that presided over it. But um, when the when the proofs were ready, the groom and his brother came to come to pick them up. And uh, they came and we talked for about four to five hours about God and everything in between. And uh, uh, so um, he told me at that time, if I ever ended up in Oregon, to come and check him out and visit. Uh, am I going on the tangent here, or do you guys want to hear this? You're doing good. Okay. Anyways, so um, I got a divorce from my wife, and uh, she was then living with my boys in, uh, in Arizona, in Tempe, Arizona. And I came out for a visit. Her and I had gotten a divorce. But I uh, decided to keep on moving. I was in Arizona for a couple months, and then I decided to uh, go to California where I have some relatives, which I did stop. And then I decided to drive up to Oregon, and I was going to connect with the with this guy a year and a half after the wedding, you know. Um, so I, and I remember, I was not a believer at that time. I did not believe in, in God. I, in fact, I had a very bad relationship because I grew up in a Catholic family, and I was abused by Catholic nuns. So I turned my back on God. I didn't want anything to do with him. I used him as a cuss word, you know. So I, I was like that. So as I began to head, and this was around Easter time, and I started to head towards uh, Oregon. And then freeway, I could physically feel that something was drawing me, dragging me. And I and I asked God, I said, um, everybody disappeared here. Are, are we all still connected? We're still here. You're just the focus. Okay. Just focusing whoever's the one speaking. Okay. Uh, so I decided to go all the way up to a town called Bedford, Medford, uh, Oregon. And then um, uh, when I got there, I had to hit uh, a, a smaller road called uh, the Applegate. Uh, and and I started going on. And the Applegate's a very, very small town. And uh, it's like one stoplight. So when I got into the town, um, the first place I came to was a post office. So I parked in there. And I sat in the parking lot for a couple of minutes. And uh, then I decided to go in because I didn't know John. His name was uh, John. Uh, and he had left me his P.O. box number, but he didn't have an address. And I didn't have his telephone number. So I went into the uh, post office. And it was a very small post office. And I, I said to the lady, I'm looking for John. And I told her his last name. I said, uh, he didn't give me his uh, address or telephone number, and I don't know how to get to him or reach him. And I came from a very long way. Uh, could you help me? And she said, by law, I can't do that. I can't help you with that. But she said, did you see those two hippie-looking guys walking out, out the door? 
And uh, I said, yeah. And she said, go ask them. Uh, so I ran out the door, caught up to the two of them. And I said, I'm looking for John. And uh, I was his photographer for his brother's wedding back in Illinois. And I said, I am trying to locate him. You, can you guys help me at all? And they both turned to each other and started laughing because John was their best friend. And so uh, one of them decided to call John. John it lives in a, uh, at that time, lived in a very big hippie community up in the mountains of Oregon. And he was the only one of the big community that had a telephone. So they called him from the payphone and they said, John, there's an individual here by the name of John Tarr, said he was a photographer for your brother's wedding and he wants to come over and visit you. And I could hear John laughing on the telephone and all three of them were laughing. And he said, bring him up, bring him up. Uh, so I followed these two guys. They were on a Volkswagen bus. I had a Volkswagen bus at that time, a green one. And uh, I followed them up. And going up the road. What? Good old 70s vans. Yep. And, and you got to remember, this is uh, like 1979. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, and John... It's part, like I said, a part of a hippie community, but they all live in separate units and they all live in tree houses that there's, they're actually houses that are built in trees. Okay. And John's coming down from his tree house was a pathway. And then you had to cross over this little bridge with, uh, excuse me, excuse me. It was 1983. What? 1983. Not 79. 1983. <laughs> My wife is, is reminding me it was 1983. Uh, and then, uh, I, uh, and then he crossed over the bridge where the little creek was. And then there was like a place where people could cars. And by the time we got to his house and, uh, John was standing right there on the uh, on the on the uh, parking area, and he just had the most enormous grin on his face. And he said, at the time when he had invited me, he didn't think I'd ever come, I'd ever show up. And uh, but he said there was something about you, all the questions you were asking, because there was a lot, because I was an atheist and. He had been an atheist at one time, so he understood where I was coming from. But he never thought I would go from Chicago all the way to Oregon. And here I was standing in front of him. And then when I hugged him, or he hugged me, it was like a bear. And he wouldn't let go. He just wouldn't let go. And I ended up spending about six weeks with him at his house and going to the little Applegate uh, Christian Fellowship. And I, uh, the first night I was with him, I had a million questions and uh, he answered all of them and stuff like that. And uh, he finally gave me this book, was about that thick. And it was uh, called The History of Christianity. Um, I, I even forgot who the author was. 
So when I wasn't talking to him or going to uh, start going to the church, the Little Applegate, the Little Applegate Christian Fellowship was very unusual uh, in that it was in a very, very small town, but over a thousand people would come on a Wednesday Bible study and there was just no place to park. John, uh, I can't remember his name. His name was John also, the pastor there. And I remember sitting when he would take me to church. I remember sitting in the audience. Uh, and uh, when he talked about Jesus Christ, um, I thought he was talking to me, only me. It felt like I was the only person in that whole church. But there was over a thousand. And he was talking about Jesus Christ. And I was like, who is he talking about? I don't, I don't recognize this person. You got to remember, I grew up in a Catholic church. So uh, talking about Jesus Christ just was not done very much. And uh, you see, uh, in Catholic churches, they don't talk about Jesus Christ, even though they pray to both Jesus and Mary and all these others. Well, they do to a degree, but it's a very different kind of Jesus. It's a Jesus that is uh, the Catholic Church, as a Christian church, is very condemning. There's a, it's like um, they don't really believe in free grace, grace from God. Uh, Catholics just, uh, you got to go to purgatory when you die. You got to work your way to heaven. Everything is, is, has to do with works. It's like the Mormon church. Uh, it all has to do with works. And um, I thought I was beyond redemption. I didn't think there was any way that I could connect with Jesus because I, I felt I was so sinful and I was, had such a nasty outlook towards Jesus Christ or anything that had to do with the Bible. I just didn't want to, I didn't want to hear it. But when I was in that church, they were very grace-filled. And I just, uh, it broke me down. Uh, here, I grew up through my informative years and in the teenage years. Uh, I would, when I was going to college, I would go to some of these debates they had between uh, uh, a Christian minister or an apologetic and, and atheist. And obviously I sat on the side that were atheists. So I knew all the arguments that there is no God. Um, since then, since I have become a Christian and God saved me there. And um, when I got back and started getting our lives back together, I started uh, becoming part of an uh, apologetic, Christian apologetic. So it's a way of uh, proving that there is a God in the universe, that, uh, um, a, des uh, a designer behind everything. And uh, so I, uh, then when I left at Oregon about um, eight, nine months later, I went back to Chicago and connected with some of my old friends. I lost a lot of my friends that I did have. And when they said that, I told them I was a Christian now, born again Christian, most of them couldn't believe it. 
because they remembered how nasty I was and how against it I was. And then when I came back to Arizona, I remarried my wife and I had the honor of bringing my three sons to know Jesus Christ and, and uh, tell my whole family all, all across the board. And they are all very strong Christians now to this day. And uh, my mom was beside herself, including my dad. Um, but, and then some of my old friends back in Illinois were just like, they couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I still don't have contact with some of my old friends, but I have a lot more contacts. And then there was a, an amazing story that happened a couple weeks after all of this happened, after I became a Christian and had to do with my VW bus. Um, and I picked up a, a homeless kid on the side of the freeway. Um, so do you want me to tell that story a little bit? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, when I became a Christian and I was living in Medford, uh, there's a town north of it called Pants, Pan, uh, Grants Pass. <laughs> I get, got it backwards. And I had joined a uh, soup kitchen up there, and I would travel back and forth. And it's an absolutely beautiful drive. There's two roads you can take. One goes through the forest, and it's very small. And it's winding and all that. And then there was a road that was on a highway that directly went up there. So I, uh, there was a girl that went to Medford. And I had told her I was uh, working at a soup kitchen up there. And she said, I'd like to go. And I said, uh, I can pick you up on Saturday and take you up. But instead of going the short route or the long route, I'll take you on the freeway. So I picked her up and we're driving along. And it was a very high plateau, if you know anything about Oregon. Part of it is actually a high desert. And uh, I got all the way up on the plateau. I'm cruising along. You can see forever up there. Oregon's very beautiful. Anyways, uh, we got about halfway up to Grants Pass. <clears throat> My VW bus started uh, backfiring. All of a sudden, boom, 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 you know. And it wasn't running very smoothly at all. So I pulled over to the side of the road and I got out and I went and looked in the back of my VW bus where the engine was in the back. And I looked in there and I, uh, the engine only had four spark plugs. Okay. And one spark plug was, had totally unscrewed and popped out of the engine, but the wire was still connected to it. And I was, I was staring at it, and I was like, that is ridiculous. That never happens. How does that happen? So I went to grab it and try to put it back in there, and it was way too hot. So I just let it go, and I, I started licking my fingers because it burnt my fingers. So I went back in, and I got back in the bus, and I said, uh, Connie was the girl's name that was with me, and I said, uh, we can't go anywhere for about a half an hour because I got to let the engine cool down and be able to put the spark plug in it. As soon as I said that, there was a knock on Connie's window. And I looked out and she looked over and there was this kid. He was probably about 20 years old standing there all bundled up. So K Connie 
roll down the window. And I go, don't roll down the window. We don't know who this is. Anyway, she did it before I had a chance to do that. Anyways, he said, I'm lost and I, I'm looking for a way to the nearest town. Can you guys help me? And so uh, I opened a sliding door and he got in our back seat. And in the course of talking to him, we found out that he had been a runaway from the Washington area uh, about three years before, and that he was making a living, living on the streets of LA. He was a male whore, male kid whore. And so, we started asking him what happened. What? That's almost unheard of. Most people think, I guess you mean by whore, a prostitute, but most people think you have to be a female to do that. I'm not saying it's true, but yeah. you know, the, the mindset of many people. Yeah, and it's true, but when you're homeless like that and no one will take you in, he found a community of homeless people that lived under bridges and stuff in the LA area. That's what he did. And then he realized he didn't want to be do doing that anymore. And he wanted to go home. He missed uh, the big fight that he had had with his parents was like in the distance three years before. And he just wanted to go home. But he didn't know if they would accept him. So um, uh, I, when I was, uh, we were sitting there and I said, um, you know what? How about if I drive you to our soup kitchen and I'll introduce you to the guy that runs the place. His name's Roy. And I said, maybe we can help you to get home. Um, so we drove. Uh, it was probably an, another hour away yet. And then we got there. And then I um, got into the soup kitchen area. It was a place that had two stories. And I introduced him to Roy. And I began to tell I began to tell Roy what happened. If I get emotional here, you'll have to understand because what happened next was unbelievable. Anyways, uh, I told Roy what happened. And I told Roy that he had, the kid had not seen his parents in three years. And Roy immediately said, we have to call your mom and dad right now. And there, I was standing with Connie on the outside of his office and he had this big window. And Roy and this kid went into the room and they closed the door. And they're talking for about 10, 15 minutes. And then Roy picks up the phone and he calls. And when the Roy talked to the parents first, and he says, I have someone here that really wants to talk to you. It's your son. Would you like to talk to him? And I guess it was the mother that had answered the phone, and she got away fainted. And the father picked up the phone. Apparently, after he had run away, they had hired a private investigator to try to track him down. And they could never find him. Anyway, um, Roy says they talk, and both 
uh, this kid and Roy are crying and crying and talking on the phone and crying. This went on for like 45 minutes. Roy then says to him, we will give him money to take a bus home. Uh, and it was probably a good four or 500 miles away yet. So that's what happened there. And then Roy asked me if I wouldn't mind taking him to the bus station the next day in the morning. So I said, of course. And then I remember leaving the office and going to get something to eat, but I couldn't. I could hardly eat. I went outside into the back where the alley was, and I just cried. I just bawled my eyes out. But needless to say, the next morning, I drove the kid. I, You know, and I keep calling him the kid, but I can't remember his name. I should have taken a picture of him, but uh, um, I took him to the bus station, and he relayed the story what have what happened just before i pulled up in the volkswagen bus on the freeway and he said um there was a berm right where i was and there was a berm and he was laying on the other side of the berm so i never saw him until he came up to the vw bus and he never saw me but he heard me when i pulled up and i was pulled up right next to him you know, 20 miles of stretch of freeway with nothing there out in the middle of nowhere. And I pulled up next to him. And he said, I was laying there trying to stay warm. And all of a sudden, I hear this bang, bang, bang. It was my BW bus backfiring. Okay. And he said, just before you pulled up, he said, I... I ask God, if you are there, if you're truly a God, if you really exist, please help me now. He said, not 30 seconds later, my VW bus makes its grand entrance. And he said he looked over the berm and he said he saw me standing there next to my engine, licking my fingers <laughs> because the engine had burnt my fingers. Uh, needless to say, after about a half an hour, I was able to uh, screw the spark plug back into the engine and rehook it up, and it ran fine. So you think about that. Uh, God puts together a plan for two people to connect way, way before you're even born way before he was even born, way before I was even born, for me and him to connect on a lonely stretch of freeway out in the middle of nowhere. And he has my spark plug pop out of my Volkswagen engine. Think about that. What are the possibilities of that? But it, it was a bigger, bigger story in the end because this kid had to get home. And we witnessed to him about Jesus Christ and everything. Um, I don't know what happened after all of that. It was, it, I was in such a shock that I forgot to get some uh, information about him and where he lived and stuff like that. Because it would be fantastic today if I could connect with him and find out what happened to him when he got home. And did he get married? Did he have children? Did he finally accept Jesus Christ? You know, all these things. But... Um, 
the fact that God, Jesus Christ, used me at a very young Christian age. Um, I'd only been a Christian for a couple of weeks, and that he used me in that way. And I witnessed to this kid with what knowledge I had of God and Jesus Christ. Um, I have learned so much more since then and all the apologetics that I write about. Uh, was nothing uh, with what this what I knew then I knew nothing then uh, I just knew that God loved me He wanted me back and He was willing to do anything and then He solidified it by me running into this kid and uh, when I uh, I went after I dropped the kid off at the the bus station uh, the Rogue River is right near there it's a big river that people raft and i went and sat for about a half a day on the side of the river just uh going through what had occurred and i just was like what are the possibilities of that happening so those were two kind of off the wall incidents um i got a funny story a little short one but when I got baptized up in the Applegate Fellowship, they took me to the Applegate uh, River. And this little cowboy with a cowboy hat and everything, cowboy boots and everything, he was probably about five foot four at the time. Okay. And he was the one that baptized me. Here I am, six foot four. Okay. He pulled me out in the water and it was really rushing. And he, when he went to put me underwater, he started to drown. He didn't know how to swim. <laughs> so as he began to float away, I grabbed him and pulled him up and uh, pulled him to the side of the rock. We were laughing because here he saved me by baptizing me, and I saved him from drowning. <laughs> Y'all had quite an experience so, with that water. It was magical. That's it. Yeah. Or miraculous. Yeah. That's better. Yeah, miraculous, you know, God's got a sense of humor. That's all I can say. Um, but I, I, I know when I came back and uh, I brought my sons and my wife to the Lord, uh, my three sons and my wife, and then I took them up to a town called Payson, and there's a river up there, and I was able to baptize them myself uh, in, that, in that little uh, river up there. Um, so God... Um, and when I came back, there was a movie that I had watched with the whole community up in Oregon. It was just called The Jesus of Nazareth. And I think it's like uh, it was nine parts, an hour in each part, but it's a very long thing. But it's the most powerful uh, life of Jesus I've ever watched or witnessed. So if you can check it down, I found it on... Uh, Netflix, I think it was, and it was a nine-part series that was made back in uh, 1974, but it's by far the best. Um, uh, so if you get a chance, watch the whole thing. Every verse, every uh, episode will just uh, tear you apart. So when I came back to Arizona, the whole family and I watched it. We binged watch it, and everybody was crying through the whole thing. So me coming back to Arizona. Is that, is that movie you're talking about, Jesus of Nazareth? Is that about Jesus's life on earth? Like when he was in service yeah. at age 31? 
Yeah, it was from his birth all the way till when he was crucified. But they went into real detail on each of um, some of the events. Can you still hear me? Yes. Uh, uh, each episode was on different things that had happened to, to Jesus throughout his ministry. Uh, uh, dealing with the, uh, uh, when he was a child uh, and went and got lost and they, they found him in the, uh, when they, the whole family went. Uh, and then uh, when Jesus uh, created wine from water and then all the way through his ministry with his apostles and they had an amazing cast that was in that uh, in the in the movie, but it was very it's long, but it's very very good. It's uh and very close to the Bible. You know how sometimes some of the things that they make up they're not real close to the Bible, but this is like dead on. Um, so if you get a chance, and a lot of people haven't heard of it because it was made so long ago. But they could not make another one. Uh, another good thing that's out right now is a thing called The Chosen. Have you guys heard about that? No, but I remember in college, I was one of the first to see, um, I think it was Christ or whatever. Okay. You remember the movie? So there's a new that? one. There's a new one out now. They're going into their third season. It's called The Chosen. And that is very, very well done also. But if you want to watch a movie and where it doesn't cost anything, it's just called The Jesus of Nazareth. Um, and I started watching a couple episodes of that the other night. And I, I was sh shocked at how much I had forgotten and how it affected me emotionally. You know, we can read a lot of things through the Bible. And a lot of stuff really speaks to us. But when you see some of this stuff actually laid out before you in a visual effect, it's really different. And it really takes you on a journey. So, you know, um, I, was a, I was a very bad person for a long time throughout my early years. And even when I... Became a Christian. I mean, I had, it's not like it's not like you were a murderer or anything. You just simply were a sinner. I mean, we all started sinners. That's nothing different about you than me and everybody else. Well, I was so rough around the edges. I had uh, when we talk abortion about abortion, I had paid for in uh, a couple abortions, and I connected and had a couple couple of girlfriends that had them before I'd gotten married. And I had actually even uh, took, at the time I had just met my wife, Monica, and took her to an abortion. Um, I'm very anti-abortion now, and so is my wife. And we've been through that world, and we understand it. But uh, I did some really bad things. I I didn't commit a murder or anything like that, but I did other things that uh, I should have been found guilty for. And I have repented from, 
And but know that Jesus that, Christ has forgiven you for all of that. You may yeah. be having a hard time forgiving yourself, but Jesus did not struggle. Jesus forgave you in the beginning when you first gave your life to Christ. Right. And I think a lot of myself not forgiving myself was my Catholic background. See, it's been a number of years where I could reconcile my born-again experience with my Catholic upbringing. Does that make sense? Um, it just... Uh, and, and thinking you have to go to confession all the time and you have to do these things correctly. Um, the nuns were, I went to a Catholic grade school and the nuns were very brutal to me. I was never sexually, uh, I know a lot of Catholic uh, uh, boys and girls, especially boys that were sexually abused by Catholic priests. And that's been a big deal the last couple of years. It's been a, a worldwide phenomena. In fact, it got so bad in Ireland, which is a big Catholic nation, there's hardly anybody going to Catholic church anymore because it affected so many people all over Ireland and Scotland. And yeah, I, I, I think, feel really... I think the part of history you're talking about actually started more than a few years ago because it was already going on for a few years before the pandemic hit. Right, it did. When that was going on, or at least just when it started. Right, um, it did. It started a long time before that, back in the 20s and 30s, actually. But the Catholic Church and everybody didn't deal with it. And they certainly didn't deal with it in my time. Uh, now it's all came to the forefront in the last 10 to 20 years. There was a movie, I think, called Spotlight. It had to do with the uh, parish in Boston. And when they started looking into the sexual abuse of boys, they thought it was just a couple of them. And as they began to research it and everything, um, they found out there were hundreds and hundreds just in Boston alone. And they would go and interview the families and interview some of the priests that would talk to them. Uh, so it turned out to be a very big worldwide problem. In fact, it got so big that, uh, what was it, about 11 years ago, they, uh, uh, there were two popes in the Catholic Church. One of them just died here about a week ago, but one wanted to quit. What? Benedict. Yeah, but he was the Pope first, and he did not want to be a Pope anymore. He had lost his faith in Jesus Christ. There's a movie called The Two Popes that really explains it. Anthony Hopkins is one of them. And uh, he had a confession, and one of his confessions was, um, I did not do enough to protect the, my flock, and I allowed a lot of these priests to move on to another uh, parish, and he realized that was the wrong thing to do because it just started the whole thing uh, all over in a new parish. And then, uh, so he wanted to quit, and he did quit. Uh, was an ex-pope, but he, and then the other pope took over. But it was like the one of the few times in history that the Catholic Church has had two popes. So even then, 
I believe God was dealing with that. Um, I'm not a Catholic. I'm not a Roman Catholic anymore. I'm a born-again Christian. Um, so, um, and then, then I have did a lot of study and reading, uh, like Dr. William Lane Craig. These are apologetists uh, that, that really have debates against other Christians or they have debates against atheists uh, or scientists. Um, it really takes you in a really powerful direction. I needed that because the, the God of my life was science and evolution. That's where my God, that's where I believed human beings came from was evolution. Um, the Cambrian explosion, which is something that happened 650 million years ago, uh, it's empty of all. Uh, progressive fossils and they don't know why the scientific community can't figure out why all those fossils have disappeared uh, it just didn't exist in the first place so there's only two ways that life could form on our planet and one is evolution um, and the second one is that God designed it and the intelligent designer is behind everything now uh, and I had to have, I have connected watched, with. A, have you ever watched the, the um, what was that show called? There's a show we watch that's on the History Channel about aliens. Right. You know well? Yes, I know what you're talking so, about. So the, the series that we saw on either, either uh, New Year's Day or it was New Year's Eve, but one day this weekend said actually science has proven that uh, the tale of Adam and Eve really was true and science has proven it, but they also have proven that before the creation of humans and then uh, from there having, having uh, different foundations as far as towns that are founded and so forth that there were already creatures and animals of other kinds so they actually showed in their research with all these um rock professionals they like research the rocks and fossils and all these other, you know different types of historians they actually were able to prove that this the idea of the world being so many millions of years old and like the dinosaurs existing before the ice age and all is true, but so is the Bible and that humans somehow came to the earth without being any way, um, in any way evolution, but they were actually just randomly came to the earth of those two humans and started reproducing. But they showed that before that, was an ice age and before that were dinosaurs but other than that they also showed at one point that aliens uh from other worlds at one point dominated this earth so okay that's what that show actually has shown through research of people that were trying to argue the case of what you're talking about so the real the right. real truth is somewhere in the middle that's ultimately what it is 
Yeah, and, and it's true. Um, well, the Bible talks about that uh, the sons of God had sexual relations with uh, the uh, the women's of uh, of child women of uh, I can't remember the name, but they uh, they had sex with uh, angelic beings, had sex with human women, and they created a whole race. But if you follow that, um, then Noah's Ark came after that and God wiped out that whole race of beings because they were basically uh, monsters, giants. And that was not what God had intended for us. Uh, I know we don't have a whole lot of time to talk about this, but I'm pretty well versed in some of this stuff. Um, and maybe we can talk about it uh, uh, another time. Uh, yes, the story of evolution. Minute. We're down to what? one minute. Can you take, we're down to one minute. Can you take note of this and let's pick this up on, um, in a week when I see you again on here? Yes. Let's, uh, let's have a discussion about it because it's very interesting and the church right. really doesn't talk about it much at all because I think it scares a lot of people, but it shouldn't because God is still in control. He is still uh, controlling we need to talk about it because we need to be the people that put it out there that it's not a battle between evolution and or as I say in general science versus faith, but the real truth being in the middle of them, the intertwine. Yes. You can have faith and you can have uh, believe in science both. They both interconnect exactly. really well. So, so all of this let's talk about that. Monday. Yes. Yep. So let's talk about it. That Maybe that's why God has got us connecting on here. So we can uh, talk about it and uh, tell other people about it. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Bring our two minds together. Yes. Emily, it's to you. Anybody have any announcements? Announcements that they would like to share with everybody? John, maybe John, our John. announcement. Maybe our announcement will be to talk about this stuff next time. How's that? There you go. <laughs> Emily, would you like to do yours first? Um, so uh, the International Day of Happiness is March 20th. Um, the Happy Neighborhood Project is having a event a few days before that on St. Patrick's Day or March 17th. Um, to celebrate the National Day of Happiness. Um, the event goes from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Pacific or noon to 6 p.m. Eastern with speed networking, speakers, prizes, um, vendors, and so on. Um, tickets right now are $30, um, but will go up in a, in a month to $40. So I encourage everybody to get their ticket ASAP. Also, um, also we are trying to break the Guinness Book of World Records with most people speed networking at one time. Um, so I encourage everybody to um, join that as well. We're to get the record right now is 1,068. That was set in 2014 um, by Belgium. So if you'd like to 
over 1,068. So you can go to hmpabc.com forward slash IDH to get a ticket and find out more information. Um, so over to, over to you, you, Jaffer. You have anything? Yes. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Wherever you found us, please be sure to subscribe to Jaws Coffee Chat or wherever you may have found us on somebody else's show or somebody else's channel. Um, if you want to look us up, we're Jaws Coffee Chat on all the podcast apps. And if you want to learn more about us, you can go to jensbooksandmore.com. That's J-E-N-N-S, booksandmore.com. There you will find our books, uh, services we provide, and uh, prior uh, podcasts, episodes, and or video episodes. You also find our newsletter and other information. And then again, that's J-E-N-N-S, booksandmore.com. Also, we are looking to hire a social media marketer and a virtual assistant. Uh, we are also looking for somebody in public relations that can do press releases and possibly help with the blog, other writing related such as social media or SEO and so forth. Um, if you believe you're fit for any of those, or you would like to be considered to have a percentage of the profits uh, as your compensation for being a co-host or um, co-producer or some other um, help in uh, leading and producing more shows than I personally am capable of, then you can also go to our link so whichever one of these you have interest in, uh, you can get on our calendar by going to calendly.com forward slash J-E-N-N-S books and more. That's C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y dot com forward slash J-E-N-N-S books and more. And if you are interested in being on our show as a guest speaker or as... Um, having your own show, you can register, you can uh, claim your, your spot on our calendly.com slash Jaws Coffee Chat. That's C A L E N D L Y.com forward slash J A W S Coffee Chat. And that's how you schedule to be on our podcast as a guest speaker on one of our shows. Um, However, if you're interested in uh, having a, a show about your business, nonprofit, uh, ministry, or any other group you represent, or your business, or whatever, um, we are here to help with different causes, and we highly have interest in helping other Bible teachers, pastors, and other people who share 
the word of Christ get around, but we also help businesses that are for-profit and non-profits to be heard with their cause. If you like to have a series made and someone on your team to be our co-host as part of the project, you can schedule with us at calendly.com forward slash J-E-N-N-S books and more. That way you'll, you'll be able to visit with me, the owner, Jennifer A. Whitaker, as well as one of the team members that we currently have. And we can uh, work out what uh, will work with you as far as both schedules and frequency and so forth. And so then again, a reminder is that this is, this link is for a social media candidate, public relations slash press release candidate, and a virtual assistant or people interested in um, making a show on our channel. Please spread the news. Tell other people about this if um, and share, share with them our link whichever one it may be based on what interest they have or be sure to share with other people who may want to just listen and hear us for entertainment and be sure to subscribe over to you, Emily. <clears throat> I'd like to, we'd like to thank everybody, um, John and Kurt and for coming on today and for everybody tuning, tuning in. Um, for any um, questions, comments, concerns, and so on, um, you can get a hold of us at jawscoffeechat at gmail.com, and someone will get back to you as soon as, as, soon as we can. Um, and to please remember to um, check out our, all of our um, all of our social media pages and interact with those. Um, and on behalf of our, our, our next Jaws Christ Talk will be next Monday at 4.15 p.m. Central. Um, and so on behalf of um, on behalf of John, John and Kurt, and uh, Joe's Coffee Chat, uh, we wish you all a um, safe and productive week, and and, and stay happy.